You're listening to the King's Church Podcast. Visit us online at kingswisbeach.org.uk. God is amazing. Yes. So, so um, before I came, obviously I've done preparation for today. Um, but the, 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 the whole build-up that we've just had was exactly what God was, going, was telling me that we needed to do before we got here. And it's amazing to see how he works out, because I was figuring out how to, to try to, um, to achieve that. But he does it, um, he just does it. Just does it, it's, it's remarkable. The key, the key before we start, and this is, you know, this is really isn't the sermon, is that we actually today, what he wants us to do is to consciously focus on him. People talk about intentionality now. It's a jargon word. And that means where you choose actively, despite other things around you, to do something and put your full attention to it. And, and God wants us to do that because, okay, it's, it's meant to be reflecting, it's teaching us about communion. Communion is a gift. It's not a service. It's not something that you're forced and dragged to. It's not something you have to do to get ticked off in a box. Because if you don't do it, you're not living right. It's a gift that God has given you. It's something that Jesus wanted us, me, you, to have as a special gift. And as part of that special gift, the starting point of, of communion is wherever we can, it is that moment of time when you can just forget everything else. Our lives are filled with all sorts of stuff. In an average day, um, because of the role I'm in, I probably get 400 questions fired at me, and I'm expected to give answers back. If you're a parent, it's just continuous. And we long for the moment, don't we? Five minutes to myself. Just give me five minutes to myself. And what Jesus did was say, come and here's five minutes. Let's have time together. Let's just stop. Because unfortunately, in amongst all that stuff that's going on, we have an enemy. And the enemy, Satan, is pumping into our minds and hearts through every possible channel he can think of lies. He's telling us lies all the time. He's described, he's called the liar. And the worst lies are the ones where they're nearly true. And you recognize something in it and you think, oh, I recognize that. But it's a lie. 
and he just keeps pumping them in. And it can come for people, it can come off the television, for a book you read, a song you hear, in your own mind, thoughts about yourself, thoughts about others. Lies, lies, more lies, more lies. All the time trying to trip you up, trying to make you, to disturb you on the inside. And so God said, Jesus created for us this moment, this protection, where instead of listening to Satan, we could focus and listen to him. And we could focus and again go back to the core, to the truth, to the very center of where it all starts, the foundation stones of what we believe and why we believe it. So, when we have communion next, come, not because you've got to, because this is a moment that Jesus has given you. A time to be at peace, and a time to listen, a time to be open, a time to be honest. A time, well, that's why we, when we say repentance and we're talking about forgiveness here, what, what Jesus is actually asking us to do is to be honest. Just open ourselves up and be honest. So, that's, a, that's what, another picture of communion. There's lots of pictures we can paint, but this is another one. But with this today, as Verity's already said, what we're looking at, what we're focusing on, is Matthew 26, and just these, this short, these short verses. So, um, I'm, no apology, I'm going to read them to you again. So, I'm, uh, so... Matthew 26, verse 27, and 20, for me, 28. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now, let's give context to this. So let's, let's again go back and just remember where Jesus is, why he's saying this, what the scenario is. So let's start at the very beginning then. Jesus, for him, this is the night before he's going to be crucified and he knows it. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He's already told them. He's already spoken to Judas. But, but he's come to this point, and for him, this is the start of the day he will be crucified. Because for Jews, the day starts at sunset. We tend to think of a day starting in the morning. For them, the day starts at sunset. And that's the start of the day. So for him, this is the start of the day he is going to die. And he starts it celebrating with his disciples. He starts it with the most important people with him at this moment in time. The people he cares for, the people he loves, the people he's reaching out to and teaching. And incredibly, incredibly in, in, um, in Luke, Jesus actually says this in Luke 22 and verse 15. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you 
before I suffer. It's not even a case of he came to it reluctantly. He comes to this eager. Now, I don't know about you, but there have been different times in my life where there have been events in my life that I know were of major importance. And as I come to that event, I have two emotions always. Fear that it's going to go belly up and something's going to go very wrong. And excitement of the possibility that it will go right. Now for Jesus, he came excited. Later in the evening, later that night, Satan will attack him and his own, and his own fears will rise to the surface and he will in a garden cry out to God and say, is there an alternative to this route? His dad will say, I'm sorry, son, no. And he will go, okay. Right. Corset. We go through this. But he comes to this meal excited, eager to share, knowing what he wants to do and say. Knowing that he's going to die, he is still excited. Do you know, as a person, I find Jesus incredible. I do. So, we have this context then. The night before he's dying, he's going to go to trial. He doesn't get any sleep this night, remember? He goes to his death, having gone through the whole night. So all, all this is coming for him. But he talks to his disciples. And if you want to, read John. Read the Gospel of John. Just see how Jesus blesses his disciples, washes their feet, teaches them, talks to them, shares all sorts of things with them. So this is the point at which he takes the cup. This meal where he wants to give himself. Help the disciples with what's coming because although he's told them it's coming, they still don't believe it. It hasn't really got into their head and he's trying to help them and support them. He wants to instigate something that they can go back to. Have you... Um, I don't know about you, but uh, on Friday, in Friday Conversations, we were talking about family. And we said that one of the things that family do, as part of being a family, is you tell stories. You tell stories about your family. You recount them again. And there's all sorts of stories, and you'll have them in your own mind. There are events that make you smile or make you feel a little nostalgic or sad or whatever. But there's all sorts of things. And Jesus was establishing here something that he knew they would talk about for the rest of their lives and establishing something that we will talk about for the rest of their lives. And not only that, but that, that talking, those stories. So, Anna's dad, before I even met him, Anna's dad was incredibly strong. He was a blacksmith. He was just, he just was. It's one of the features about him. I met him when he was 65 he was, and I was 20 odd. He was stronger than me and I'm not a small man. He's a lot smaller than me, but he was at least twice as strong as me. And that's not an exaggeration. Okay. And he took, one of the stories they tell me is that one night he was sat in front of the TV. His wife was knitting. She put a knitting needle down. And without thinking about it, he picked it up. And whilst he was watching the telly, he got a, a steel knitting needle and wrapped it around his finger and turned it into a corkscrew. Okay. And when, when his wife went, where's the knitting needle? He went, oh. Right, and then he had to straighten it out. Now, I don't know about you, it takes me on my time just to bend it. No, 
Now, what does that story do? It instantly builds as a bridge, doesn't it? Because I've now shared something about my family and so on. For the grandchildren, talking about those types of stories, suddenly they know a great-granddad who they didn't know, they never met, right? Suddenly we come into the family. And as part of communion, what Jesus is doing is inviting us in. Come into my family. Here's the family stories that you need to hear. Here's the things I want to share with you. But for that story, my father-in-law, that's quite a, in a sense, a, a, a silly story. Good about him. But these were home truths that Jesus wanted to share. These were key things, important moments. So that's the context then. Jesus, the night he was betrayed, sitting with his disciples, wanting to share, wanting to establish memories that are going to last them because they're going to watch him die. They're going to actually watch him die, tortured, the person they thought was going to save them. In their minds, he was failing and he was trying to give them something. But more than that, he then linked it to an event which God had set up hundreds of years before people people think that jesus was pointing backwards okay and i'll explain it clive did it last week but i'll explain it a bit again but in fact he wasn't pointing backwards the escape from egypt passover was pointing forwards it was pointing forwards to him so, so when, if people sometimes say, you know, he's looking back, no, this is all about the fulfillment of the word that was set up back in the Old Testament. So, so why were they at this meal? They were at this meal because the Israelites had been trapped in Egypt. Most of us know this story. They were enslaved. The, um, the Pharaoh would not let them go. And so God sent a, a, a saviour in a physical sense, he sent Moses, and God worked through Moses to teach Pharaoh a lesson. And not just Pharaoh, but the whole world. He took all the gods of Egypt, and he one by one showed them that he was in control. Each of the plagues was him demonstrating that the gods that they thought were in control, no, I am in control. And he defeated them one by one, used them all one by one, until he set the people free. But to set them free, there was a key point. He gave the um, Egyptians and the Jews the last chance. Okay? I am going to take your firstborn. If you put the blood of a lamb on your doorframe, I will pass over. If you do not, I will take him. And God set up the fact that the blood of the lamb saved them. And then released them into freedom. But it wasn't, it actually wasn't for that time, it was about Jesus. Because it's Jesus whose blood protects us. It's Jesus' blood that sets us free. 
and the Passover was set up before to point to it. And he was telling the Jews, it's coming. This is what's coming. Because if they were being honest, they knew that they were not truly free, not free from sin. Because they had to go every week and sacrifice, or every so often to sacrifice for their sins. So God was pointing forward to when they, tr they were truly set free in Jesus' death. So what we've got then is Jesus at that point reminding them of all that's happened before. Their freedom from Egypt. The whole covenant of the Old Testament where God said, I will be your God, you will be my people. This is how I show you how to live. This is how, if you want to live my way, this is my way of living. The law came not to, to, um, not to be a set of rules for people to live by in one sense, but to show people how far they were away from the reality of salvation. To point them to the fact that they needed saving. And Jesus comes in and says now, this is the blood. This is, sorry, this is my blood. My blood. I am going to die and my blood is the blood of the new covenant. My blood is the blood of the lamb that will save you from your sins. My blood. Not the blood of an animal. My blood. And Jesus was setting up, establishing for them the clear principle that by his blood we are saved. So in that moment, he sets it up and he wants us to remember it. That's what communion's about. Because Satan will come along to you and say, you're a sinner, you're a failure, you're going to make it again, you're going to do it wrong again, you're going to make that mistake again, you will carry this burden with you for the rest of the life, that mistake that you made will be with you forever. It will shape you, it will twist you, it will do stuff to you. You're a failure, you're a terrible person, you are, you're horrible, I don't like, you know, you hate yourself, don't you? He will say all these things to you. And anybody who says he doesn't say it is not telling the truth. Because we've all been there, we've all heard it in our head, we've all heard those conversations going on. Where he's accused us time and time again. And he keeps accusing us. And in one sense, he's absolutely right, because actually I am a sinner. But it doesn't matter. Because my Lord came and died in my place. And I don't deserve anything, but he died for me. And that is enough. And therefore... I don't have to carry the guilt. I don't have to carry the consequences of those sins because Jesus has set me free. And that's why Jesus wants to have this moment with us. Because throughout the week, you've been hearing all those things, all the temptations, all the rest of it. And he says, come. my blood the blood of the covenant he sets us free
So communion is a gift. It's a gift to remind you that you're free. You don't have to do it again. You are forgiven. In God's kingdom, you are not that horrible person. And indeed, after communion, you know, after this event, the Holy Spirit comes and we start learning about the fact that we can be changed and renewed. So it's not just about the forgiveness of sins, it's about the transformation of who we are. But at this moment, this is about realising that he's paid the penalty and that is enough. And he wants us to know that and live in that. Paul has taught, teaches a lot about this. And so let me just take you to Romans 5, just to underline that I'm not just making it up. Because, you know, you could just say, well, keeps making all this up. So, so let me read what Paul says in this. So this is chapter, Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 6. This is Paul reflecting on it all. He says, you see... At just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's me. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man. Though for a good man, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, we were, if when we were God's enemies we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This isn't my thoughts. This is what it's all about. And Paul put it really well there. Once we were enemies, now we're part of the family. If I was saved as an enemy, how much more will God give me as a member of the family? When I'm working with him, coming alongside him. So, we've been hearing already about forgiveness. So let's just focus in on that for one second. We use the word sin. Sin is no longer used anymore. People don't talk about sin. In fact, if you say somebody has sinned, people get really upset. There's quite a lot of people get really upset if you say that. If you actually say somebody's done something wrong, they get really upset. So, let's put it this way then. Selfishness. Self-centeredness. Whether your life revolves about you and about what you want and about what's good for you and the rest of the world to be frank can go and jump and even the people you love should be put second after yourself and there are many people who say well it's my life I can do what I want I should be free to say what I want to do what I want to behave in the way I want we hear it all the time and if, again, if we're all being honest, 
during the week, that's exactly what we do. I do it. What about me? So that's what Jesus came to change. He came to change, forgive all the times when we were selfish, all the times we're self-centered, where we say ourselves first rather than God first, where we don't believe him, we don't want to do what he wants. He came to save us from all that. He came to save us by setting us free from that selfishness, that self-centeredness. And that doesn't mean to say that you won't be blessed. That doesn't mean to say you won't have those moments of peace or those moments to yourself. In fact, God loves to bless you and give you times. It's when you, we, I, make those the focus of my life, that I will make this happen, rather than focusing on who Jesus is and who God is. So when we talk about being forgiven for our sins, what we're talking about is being forgiven for all the times I say I am king and where God isn't king. Because if we seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, then all these things, all the other things in our lives will be given to us. And Jesus gives us communion to just go back, start again, think about all these things, put the bedrock back in, so I can go, okay, Father, not my will, but your will, not my way, your way, because Jesus, you are enough. So, how are you? When's the last time you spoke to him? When's the last time you just stopped? and listened this morning God gave us a wonderful opportunity I hope you took part in it and I, there'll be many more for us but this is what it's about listening hearing hearing the truth starting again getting ourselves right believing that things I can be different so Father I thank you for communion I thank you for all you've done Jesus, there are no words, Lord. There are no words that could ever sum up. And I'm just so incredibly grateful for everything. And Lord, I want to live my life your way. And I want to trust you. But I need your help. And I thank you that in communion, we can find a refreshment, a renewal. So help us as we come to communion, Lord, to take that moment, to focus on you, to, be rem to remember what you've done. And we praise and bless your name that you died on the cross and gave your blood. Thank you, Lord. Amen.